Before we begin, I wanted to give a huge shout out to Amazon Music for partnering with me on this episode of Chasing Creativity, but more on this later. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Chasing Creativity. I'm Kiran Manral, your host, and today my guest is a dear friend and ace photographer, Ronnie Sequeira. Welcome to Chasing Creativity, Ronnie. Thank you so much for having me here. So good to see you again after so many years, Ronnie. And uh, you've been doing wonderful stuff. I keep seeing your updates on LinkedIn and everywhere. And I've always been curious, Ronnie. You grew up in Jamshedpur. And uh, I don't think there was any photography in your childhood, so to speak, in the back, you know, or any art, so to speak. So how did photography come to you? When did it all begin? Uh, in fact, it's quite ironical that because of Jamshedpur is what I owe my photography to. Okay. Uh, partly, but uh, more so to my dad because, uh, so my dad grew up in uh, a photography studio, very strangely, in Nagpur. And uh, whether we like it or not, he was forced to do a lot of things like printing and developing the film and stuff. Okay. But that got him interested. And towards when when he was an adult, he would shoot a lot of stuff. And uh, cameras used to always be there in the house. And he would encourage me to shoot, which was a great thing. I think the most interesting part was uh, when he finally gave me a camera when I was in the fourth or the fifth standard. It was a small point and shoot. That gave me that little freedom. He sort of empowered me, I would say. Shot a lot with that little camera. But in the meanwhile, uh, Jamshedpur as a small town had this place called a hobby center. Okay. So the hobby center was built when Telco completed 25 years. And it was meant to provide hobbies for the kids. Among them was aeromodeling. There was photography. There was woodworking. Uh, there was a bit of computers, uh, art, of course. But the photography had six enlargers. So for a kid who was about 10, 12 years to walk in into a studio and print and that magic of that, you know, image coming up was something that, you know, even today when you look back, it was a great feeling. So that sort of was, I would say, the catalyst because, I mean, everybody would have a camera, right? But going and printing your own stuff was like the icing on the cake. And... Uh, because uh, Jamshedpur has a lot of Bengalis, there were a lot of Bengali senior photographers. There were Supriyo Bose, there were the, uh, I forget the names, the two brothers, yeah, Probir Day and Subir Day. Now, these are guys who did wildlife and a bit of editorial in the magazines and stuff. They had like an awesome kit as a kid, you know, to go and see all those Nikon F2s and the big lenses and stuff. So I think what my dad would do is take me to these guys' houses and say, hey, have a look at this, hold this lens. And I think that was, you know, where it all started. And yeah, partly to my dad, partly to Jamshedpur. And uh, in fact, my so-called guru, Supriya Bose, stays now in Bombay. And he's, okay. he's he's very proud of where one has reached. How wonderful. So yeah, it, it was a great journey. So yeah. Can you think of any anecdote from back then where you realized that this is where I'm going to be in my future, you know, because back then it was, uh, Ronnie, it was engineering karo, medical karo, and that was it, management karo. To get into photography professionally, was there a moment that happened? Well, not so early in school days, I would think. So I remember we, there was this 
photography competition in the ninth standard which i won i know i came second and they had the seniors and they had the juniors it was a simple photo of a flower and i had used a close up lens and i got that picture really nice yellow flower green background and a very proud moment going up there and you know winning that uh, second prize i felt good about it at that point of time i didn't think it as a, as a career Uh, in fact strangely i wanted to be a forest officer so that's a different ah, story nice <laughs> yeah but uh i think what happened during those years where all these friends of mine who were all nerds so there was this bengali guy there's this south indian guy who are my best buddies today they all photographers of course they're not professional photographers one guy does only birding one guy does only landscape and i of course have become a professional so that grounding has still you know has, has still held us instead and uh, we still talk a lot about photography later in college i remember i think around the second year there was this little thing in some of the competition that one where they said hey this guy might do pune proud mm-hmm. and that was because i was starting to shoot people by then you know i was shooting my friends i was doing these mini portfolios but i think even then i was not too sure whether i wanted to be a photographer but i was i was loving photography so yeah it was much later that when i came to bombay that you know then the clarity came in okay so what was your journey like initially it was a lot of fun shooting birds and sunsets and i won't call it wildlife but you know anything related to nature as i came into pune uh, did a lot of mini portfolios like i said i would shoot friends in the college and stuff and they liked it it was not great stuff but it was like a journey uh, i didn't understand much but you know i was shooting it i was doing the whole work as they say when i came into bombay uh, that's when the whole uh, mold got set if i would use the term because that's where i was very clear that okay now i want to be a photographer and i happened to work with atul atul kasbeker uh, the beauty about working with him then which was i think 92 95 was he was shooting everything he was shooting people he was shooting cars he was shooting ice cream so we got to sh- see a lot of varied work uh, assisted him on some great projects and in those 3 years it was it i mean that's 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 the way to become a photographer even today i think okay to assist somebody yeah if you assist someone who's good and is mm-hmm. doing good work mm-hmm. that's it you don't really need too much of a knowledge of photo i mean you need a basic of photography in place but you don't really need like a degree and stuff for that that's my take but did you qualify professionally for uh, photography not really not really that time there weren't many courses uh, i did an evening course in ferguson college which still exists i think it's a one year evening course which i did in the first year but very basic it's not really heavy stuff today there are a lot of courses there's uh, symbases there's i think there's one in uti but i've seen students who come out of those colleges and Sometimes I feel there is stuff lacking, you know. Okay. I ask them three questions. The first question is what is depth of field and how do you control it? Very simple question. I get to know how much the person knows by that one question. Mm-hmm. Second is I ask them what is rule of thirds. And some people know it, yeah. And the third is a very complex but a actual simple question if you are really interested in photography is what is the angle of view of a normal lens? And most people stumble there. So but the guys who know all those answers then i say okay fine this kid is interested okay so that's my process of hiring assistants also so if anybody is looking to get hired as an assistant with roni this is what you need to the figure out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these three questions <laughs> so coming to bombay moving to bombay as a complete outsider to the 
to the world of professional photography. I think back then it was a little more forgiving too. And of course, you worked with Atul. Breaking into starting your own work, getting work, deciding this is my forte. What was that process like? Because, you know, very often you get slotted. This person does fashion, this person does food, this person does, you know, uh, something else. Uh, but uh, did you want to do that or were you clear that I'm going to do everything possible? I think most photographers want to do inverted commas fashion photography. But that's what I feel that that sort of pigeonholes you. I worked with Atul who did everything. Mm. And today I'll be very happy to say I can shoot bikes equally well. I can shoot interiors. Uh, I'm, I am a people's person, uh, but I would say I'm more a portrait person. While I was doing my portfolio, Atul gave me a very simple piece of advice. He says, have 20 pieces of work in your portfolio, but have at least five, what you'll call conceptual slash non-people work, mm -hmm. which is product or it could be anything else. So we did some interesting, I shot a pair of boots, I remember, uh, black and white, uh, put them on a string and got a little bit of a blur. So they, even though they were not proper product shots, they were conceptually very strong shots. And uh, strangely, some of them got me work. You know, my first commercial shoot was a Pond's Dream Flower Dabba. You know, so I mean, when I look at it that way, is that 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 at least got the money in. Huh. Uh, so I think I'm I'm happy to say I'm a commercial photographer, which does everything. Uh, I prefer shooting people, but yeah, I mean, if the work is challenging enough. And, you know, the guy trusts me, I can do it all. So, Who are your inspirations in photography? Oh, they've been changing over the years. <laughs> uh, when I started out, it was Richard Avedon, a big fan of his. I think what I liked about his approach was he did a lot of studio work and he would do a lot of single light studio work. Use a lot of reflectors, you know, mold the light with one light. I still remember there was this one image that you, I would say was like the benchmark of my imagery also, wherein he shot this uh, naked guy jumping across a gray background. And uh, whenever I looked at that picture, I said, wow, man, what a great shot. Of course, he had shot with one of the best models at that point of time. And we didn't have models in India who were as good or, you know, in terms of a body. But we got this guy who came in from, uh, I think, Germany called David. And David agreed to shoot the shot. And when I did it, I mean, it was like one of those moments where I'm like, oh, wow, I've sort of reached somewhere close to my, you know, my guru, someone I look up to. Even today, after 20, 20 odd years, that image, you know, is stands in my studio. It's a great shot. So, yeah, Richard Avedon was what I looked at, who I looked up to. Today, uh, there's Mario Testino. I've gone back to a guy called Irving Penn. Yeah, who's also, who's also great. Uh, he shoots people. He shoots products. Uh, he shoots portraits. Portraits, exquisite. Yeah. So at some level, you know, it never stops. The journey never stops. You can keep looking up to people, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, what would you say, Ronnie, is a Ronnie Sikwera shot? Is there something trademark that anyone will look at a photograph and say, Ronnie's click that? Yes. So uh, a lot of my art director friends who see my personal work know what is my style. Very black and white, very high contrast. And there will be a sexy element. So I still remember we were doing this calendar for Hindwear. And uh, the art director is a friend. So he called me and he said, hey, man, there's only one person I thought about to do this calendar. That's you. The brief is very simple. It's a black and white calendar of gorgeous looking girls in a great bathroom. That's it. 
and then of course there are other products he said i leave it to you completely so that is the amount of faith he had in me because you know it was not a small shoot it was like a 60 or 70 lakh job over 3 days and uh, i still remember getting so involved in that shoot right from you know set design to choice of models uh, even though there was a stylist i sort of shadow styled the whole thing and of course the lighting on that day so when you see that campaign uh, it's a good reflectance of what i do commercially but if you see a lot of my personal work it's very in the sort of the, the vibration is the same so i like black and whites i like high contrast and i like my pictures to be sexy black and white high contrast and sexy pictures that's right looking from the outside we see the finished image that comes out in an ad or in a magazine but uh, shooting to a, a certain request a certain script there's a lot more behind the scenes you have to you know work with the art director you have to work with the clients fussiness and you have to let your own creativity come through so what is your process like to balance all these elements so it depends on the job entirely some jobs are very simple you don't really use your brain too much you just go there do nice clean lighting get the expression and that's about it and then you have the complex ones where like the art director says it's completely your baby now maybe 15 years back it would scare me but today it's like okay let's do this and uh, i feel most art directors who approach me know what level i work at so they won't interfere too much with the mm-hmm. process they give me an outline and they say okay fine this is what you can do and then they let me take over and i think that's the best way to go because if they restrict me too much then sometimes i'm okay saying okay i'm good with whatever you're saying uh, it's not an ego thing but i feel that when you've hired a creative person and you've hired someone with a vision you have explained to them what you want mostly if they are a senior person and they intelligent enough they know exactly what is the requirement and let them do their thing for example we shot herba life about 2 months back a lot of lighting references a uh, lot of mood references and stuff and way coincidentally at that point of time i had got these gels from uh, new york uh, lighting gels and uh, when i saw the references they were very hardcore like too much of color and stuff like that but i put together like the three colors that i thought would work i tested them in the studio and then when we finally shot them on the shoot the clients were super happy but what am i trying to say is that you know yes they come with an idea i do my little homework and then on the shoot day you know the results are there so they are happy uh but there are sometimes when you know i'll just go with the flow and say okay i'll shoot this i don't use too much of my brain so it depends on the job yes okay that's interesting not use too much of your brain but then you know the work comes out and uh, like you just mentioned you had those gels and you sort of used them on that very day itself do you feel need you know that you need to keep updating yourself constantly on what's happening in the industry maybe train or retrain even though you've been two decades in the business no that's that's absolutely required as a creative person you're constantly i mean i'll use the word evolving but it's also about being up to date yeah it, i think sometimes in india we do have a lack of stuff that's available uh, whether it's equipment it's lighting but of course today a lot of people travel to the us and in fact as of now there are three of my assistants in the us two of them are coming back and there's a store called bnh you get everything there but every once in a while you know if i want something specifically i'll order it they carry it down uh, so the gels is just an example 
but there are sometimes light modifiers. There's something called a Fortex soft lighter. Now, this I've seen on shoots where there's an Annie Leibovitz or there's a Richard Avedon shooting with the same thing. And then I would keep saying, what is this? And then one day in one of the interviews, she talks about it. And I see the price and it's hardly anything. It's like $100. And I bought it. And over the years, I've had maybe a dozen. And I always use that light a lot. It's a great light. Now, what am I trying to say is that sometimes we lack in India. But if you're doing a little bit of, you're, you're getting into that, you know, zone that, okay, I want to figure out what this light is. It is, you can always get it from abroad. In terms of, uh, in terms of software and stuff for that, yes, we're constantly updating our main software, which is Capture One. But the beauty of having assistants today is that sometimes they know a lot of this stuff. And then I tell them, okay, do you know Lightroom? And they say, yeah, we do. Okay, I want this area dark and I want this shadowed, you know. And uh, they do it. So that's that's a great thing. It's, it's good to have young assistants. Around <laughs> you. yeah, always. Always, everywhere. Gen Z sort of saves the, the world sometimes. Totally. Yeah. According to you, Ronnie, what are the elements that must come together for a good photograph to happen? I think uh, we cannot escape lighting. It has mm. to be good lighting. So lighting equates to mood. That's important. But I think what's most important is, uh, at least in the portraits that I do, is to be able to get the moment or that look in the person's eye. If you don't get it, the lighting, the background, the clothing, everything can be fantastic, but the shot doesn't come there. So I'll give an example. We were called when the lockdown was just opening, or it had just opened, I think, 2021. Uh, there was a shoot with Saurav Ganguly, and we were to shoot him in Calcutta, and they were quite complex shots in terms of production. And uh, we land up there. Normally, I meet the art director one day before, uh, but he's a friend, so he says, no, no, I'll meet you in the morning. I said, okay, fine. So he comes to me literally half an hour before the shoot, shows me the layouts. But in the layouts, Saurav Ganguly is there in the shots. So I'm a little perplexed. I said, hey, man, what's it? You, the shots are here. He said, no, no, we had shot it. This is a reshoot. Oh. I said, okay, and why? He said, look at the expressions. Now, these are wide shots. These are wide shots. And... Uh, and the shot was for a biscuit, I think. Biscuit and chai was the whole thing. But in all of them, his expressions were blank and they were not happening at all. And the client rejected it. But so now here, suddenly the pressures come on to me. To get those expressions. Expression. So that was scary but challenging. And then I think I always rise up to challenges. So I asked my assistants, listen, figure out what music this guy likes. And we Googled and we couldn't figure out what sort of likes. So I said, okay, he's approximately my age. Let's play eagles right so you're playing eagles he comes in and we start shooting and i still remember the very first shot because i knew once i cracked the first shot in terms of the mood uh the rest will just happen and uh we were getting it so he comes he puts his hand on me and he's seeing the you know the monitor and he's saying hey man the music is helping and in my head i'm saying yeah bloody well it is helping so yeah i have music on sets a lot it's my job to be able to extract that expression because like I said, if that's not there, then what's the point, you know? Mm -hmm. And that could be in a close-up shot also. I mean, like in a wide shot, if a client is saying, hey, I've rejected this campaign because his mood is not right, imagine what it'll be in like a super close-up shot. Music is a big element for you. Very important. I love my music. <laughs> that's interesting. And uh, you spoke about working with Saurav. Now you've worked with, I think, almost all the celebrities by now. Most Pretty of much, them. Yeah. And uh, what are the challenges of working with them? Because you have your creative requirements. <clears throat> there is a brief to be shot to and they have their moods. So 
how do these trees sort of I think it blend? depends on a couple of things. One is uh, if you work to them before, it always helps. Okay. So an example is the very first shoot that I was doing with Sachin was the scariest because for two reasons. One is it was not an easy shoot. It was a slightly technical shoot. Uh, but I knew what I was doing, so that was a good thing. The art director had immense faith in me. But the irony of the matter was, first half, my boss was shooting, and it was recording studio in Mehboob. And literally, he was walking out, and I was walking in with my troupe uh, for the second bit, right? Now, that was pressure on me because, you know, my boss is shooting before that. But he was magnanimous, and he's, he's like, you know, all the best and stuff. He had no clue what I'm shooting. Now, the shot was basically for ESPN, I remember. And we had to do this partial reveal of Sachin where his head is there against a black background and he's just rim lit, mm -hmm. which means that you can make out his shape, but you can't make out who the it details. is, right? Uh, and the best part was that a few months before I shot something for my personal work. And this, the art director had seen and they said, listen, I wanted to do the same thing, right? So I knew exactly what I was doing. But the scary part is this pressure on you. You're shooting with him for the first time. But I still remember we did the first Polaroid. And Sachin said, can I keep the Polaroid? Oh, wow. So that was it, you know. And uh, when the hoardings came out, it was a big deal because, you know, people were saying, who shot this? Who shot this? Because it was very different, right? Because you're shooting Sachin in a silhouette. My boss knew it because he knew that that was the shoot I was doing. And that was the first shoot I was doing with him. After that, Sachin became a friend. So, you know, it, it, it's all about breaking the ice, doing a good shoot. Uh, many years later, I shot Mahi for Sonata. And at that point of time, uh, Dhoni was not that big. He came to my studio, I remember. He used to have long hair. And uh, it was a very simple shoot. The art director had said, Ronnie, you ideate. It was one single white sofa. And we had these two, three changes. And that's it. I just let loose in the studio. And we got some great pictures. Uh, post that again, you know, he became a friend. So it's a comfort level thing. Sometimes you'll have mood, yeah. So a lot of photography is visual storytelling. So is that uh, something you keep in mind when you're trying to click photographs to tell a story to your through the photograph? Always, yeah. I mean, uh, today with the iPhones, you know, you get great images. And now how you can take the iPhone and do a great image, also storytelling. In fact, today I'm so much more comfortable with the iPhone because it's got a better latitude that sometimes I feel that, hey man, can I get more megapixels in this and shoot? Uh, and there are people shooting today on the iPhone, not big campaigns. Uh, so storytelling is, I think, inherent to whether you shoot on a phone or whether you shoot like with a big format camera. And what is the essence of the photos finally that has to come through? So if it's a portrait, you know, you want the eyes to talk. If there's mood, so we, we, we cycle in the mornings nowadays. What are we trying to capture there is that little moment, you know. Uh, so yeah, storytelling is is always going to be there whether you use an iPhone or whether you use a high-end camera. It is a part of photography, yes. Yeah. Are you aware in a subtle way or in a subconscious way that uh, sometimes I need to take creative risks in a photograph? Is that something that's behind at the back of your mind? Yes. So when I say creative risks, it's something that, you know, is pushing the envelope technically. So let's say you add a blur to an image by purposely shaking the camera. But I wouldn't do that on like big commercial jobs. Huh. Yeah, it'll be on mostly what I'm trying out. I shot these interesting portraits with Arzan Kambata in his studio where I said, let me do layers. So I had a mirror being held and I shot his reflection in the mirror. And while doing that, I sort of jiggled the camera 
So when I say jiggle the camera, the camera sort of rotated in a clockwise, anti-clockwise way. So what happened with that is the the external, the outer parts were slightly blurred and he was still okay because there was a flash on him. Now, it didn't all turn out really good, but it turned out interesting and he loved it and I loved it. Now, if tomorrow a client comes to me and says, listen, man, I like that. Can we do that? I've already done the homework. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is important to, you know, play around with technique. Like a couple of weeks back, I just used natural window light to shoot some products. I've never done that in a while. And I enjoyed the process. So, tomorrow, art director says, yeah, I like that work and I want to do something like that. I'm totally open to it, yes. Now, we speak about digital and now AI is coming in in a big way. For photographers, for any creative person, it seems like an opportunity and a threat. How do you view it? Interesting. About five days back, this friend of mine who is also in advertising comes up with this little thing and he says, you know, I got this app where I'm doing backgrounds for, right now it's only products, but I don't mind for people also. So do you have any things that's coming up? Very strangely, two weeks back, I had got a call for Bata. So Bata had these influences to shoot, about five, six of them, one day in a studio. But we had a lot of these backgrounds which they already had purchased. But there were two backgrounds which they wanted us to either shoot or get it done with 3D slash AI. And it was these, uh, I think, Diwali or something like that. And uh, I still remember speaking to my 3D guy and he said, hey, we can do this, but... Uh, when I spoke to this friend of mine and I showed him what I wanted to do, of course, the shoot didn't happen with us. It went with someone else. He said, yeah, this is doable. Now, I think that's where, you know, at least for backgrounds, because that's where sometimes a lot of the times that you want to shoot the model separately, insert the background, cost, cost cutting and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, in this situation, the AI would have helped me. Uh, is it a threat? Maybe in some situations, I'm not really bothered about that. But where it can enhance my photography is, like I said, in the backgrounds and stuff, yes. Mm, lovely. Now, very often, like, I know you're an avid biker. And I know that, you know, we all as creative people need to get away from the process somehow to refuel. So how does biking help you? Or do you have some other ways to refuel, you know, to get back to the creative zone? Yeah, so I do a lot of stuff other than photography. <laughs> Tell uh, me all. So there's... Obviously, motorcycling, which yeah. has been there for like a long time. Recently, uh, cycling. And uh, I think during the lockdown, we had so much of time on hand that we started fishing also. So we would go out to the rocks at Banstan and we would fish. Uh, of course, that doesn't happen anymore. But cycling today is a big thing. Okay. Uh, cycling is also the fitness bit. Three days a week, we do NCPA. So that feel-good hormones obviously kicking in. Then there's the new buddies that you're making. Very interesting characters. You know, there's always people inspiring you. So there's a 58-year-old guy who rides with us and he's so fit that, you know, we look up to him and say, man, Rajiv, I want to be you when, you know, and I'm 58. Yes, there is a release there. There is uh, fun there. There are photos. But yeah, I mean, whether it's biking, cycling or any hobby, I think it's important to have something on the side to, you know, hit the refresh button once in a while. Lovely. If someone wants to get into photography as a profession now, what would you tell them to do in terms of, you know, building, not just building their portfolio, just learning the business? So I won't go to the business as yet. I would say start with getting the basics in place. Uh, if you can do a course, that's great. Uh, it sets a like a like a foundation. Any course you would recommend? Uh, there are quite a few. Uh, there's the one in Uti, which is Light and Life. There is one in Goa, I think. I forget the name. 
then there are two in Pune, which is Symbiosis and BVP. Uh, I think any course that you know covers all the basics is good. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if you do a course, you know, you've learned it all. Mm. Uh, you can have a great encyclopedia. Like I recommend the Kodak book of photography for most people who are starting out. You buy that book and go from start to finish. You're you've got everything in there. You know. So I'll give an example. This friend of mine from Australia suddenly said, "Hey, I want to do a bit of wedding photography," and she must be two three years junior to me. What do I do? I said, first get a good camera. You know. <laughs> and then buy this book and she bought the book and now we are in touch you know she's on whatsapp and stuff so the first thing that i feel that you need to do is get your basics in place then the ritual is still the same work with a good photographer work with someone who's doing interesting work and that's it you know i mean uh, that sort of sets you on course the having a photographer or a mentor in your life obviously helps you build a portfolio there's a girl who right now is working with me last two years and next thing she she's i think she's traveling now to london uh, she's got her base very well in place so when she goes and she studies photography or whatever she wants to do related to photography it's just going to be even better and what i feel is that after that uh, once you've got your you know you've got your assistantship in place once you've done a bit of your basics then it's about setting out in the market with your portfolio as simple as that okay sounds very easy but but there's a lot of grind and hard work to it definitely there is but i f- i feel it's if if you work with a photographer after your basics are in place i mean there is a hit and miss possibility but i have multitude of assistants working at different levels so you know it all depends on where you're going to slot yourself mm-hmm. what has been your background mm-hmm. uh, some guys have money problems you know it, it when you start out as a photographer you have to have the basics in place you have to have a comp a camera with a couple of lenses some people don't have that that's scary oh but yeah it is it is quite simple it is quite simple yeah so there's heart for everyone who's listening in and uh, ronnie of all the work you've done anything that stays back with you and you're really really very proud of there's uh, quite a few but some of the editorials that i did with lefficial way back uh, i think it was 2004 and 5 uh, editorials always has a lot of creative people coming together you know there'll be the stylist there'll be the editor of the magazine sometime who starts off with this is the thought process and because they worked with you a few times they give you that leeway so i remember this shoot distinctly because uh, i was experimenting with different types of lighting i used what they call a baby light and i used multiple baby lights i think about 4 5 of them and uh, we went back to you know in the 50s and 60s the way people used to light up and a lot of cross shadows which means that you know when you see the picture there are like about four five shadows in the background but that's what it got interesting because the cross shadows and the lighting was like unlike anything people had seen before and it turned out really well it turned out so good that i remember ambience uh, the agency was trying to shoot something for west side and i don't know why they didn't call me but <laughs> they attempted with another photographer who is a friend and i know later on he tried to explain to me what he did but it didn't come anywhere close to that so it was a great tribute to me that you know uh, maybe they couldn't afford me i don't know what the reason they didn't call me but that was a great shoot those sort of shoots you know stay on forever and yeah i like to do more of those what's coming up roni we might be doing something with uh dhoni in october fingers crossed there's something else. so we do a lot of celeb work mm-hmm. uh i'm not caught up with celeb work celeb work is a little different to handle because you have to handle their uh their ego sometimes and stuff 
but among the interesting work that I do once in a while, I think Herbalife is one which I'm looking forward to. There's another one that's coming up. And some of my personal work also is good fun, yeah. 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 Great. Looking forward to what's coming from you, Ronnie. Thanks so much for taking time for this. Thank you so much, Kiran. Thank you so much. And with that, it's a wrap on this episode of Chasing Creativity. We were chatting with Ronnie Sequeira. Do listen in to the episodes on Bingepod, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your audio content. See you next week. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Chasing Creativity. I wanted to say thank you to Amazon Music once again for partnering with me on this episode of this podcast.